And I'm B. And this is Killer Reality. It's True Crime Wednesday. Yay. I love me some true crime. I do too. Um, And actually, this is being recorded for the future. (laughs) 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 It is not Wednesday in reality. It's only Saturday. But I got shit to do. So we're recording. All right. Um, Let's do this. Let's do this. So. Just as a reminder, guys, you have to like and subscribe. Even if you don't like us, like us anyway. We need more likes. Give us a like, a follow, and a share if you would, please. Or don't, but it would be a lot cooler if you did. And we have Instagram and Facebook. We even have TikTok. Do we? We do. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) What? Yep. What? Oh, God. It's coming. We're going to have to do a video soon, huh? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, God. I'm trying to grow we my need gray to hair out. Bless the people with our vision of loveliness. <laughs> scare the people. <laughs> yes, way. there's that, too. Like, if Either you way. saw me right now, people, oh, my God. It's if you better saw me. Oh, that yeah. I'm not on camera. I'm still wearing the same thing I had on 10 minutes ago when we recorded our sister wives. <clears throat> Funny, episode. me too. And I'm cramming a cookie down my pie hole. Oh, um, I'm discovering that I have a tank top on and I'm pretty sure my armpits smell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, oh, you yeah. should probably take care <laughs> of that. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> hey. I live in the Pacific Northwest. This is allowed. That is no, that is no <laughs> excuse. Miss me with that bullshit. I remember when my uh, third daughter, the third in line to the throne, uh, went to college. She went to a very liberal, extremely liberal mm-hmm. college in Olympia. And one of the first things she said to me was, I can grow out my armpit hair. <laughs> I was like, no, no, we no, we don't do that. And no. she's like, oh. We'll see. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Please so, don't. Please don't. So, um, oh, yeah, I haven't told you what we're doing, huh? Nope. It's a surprise. It's a surprise. Well, here we go. We're in California this time, y'all. All Land right. of the serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> There's just but, a few there. Just a few. So, um, have you ever heard about the show The Dating Game? I have, yes. Okay. So side note, those of you that have never watched The Dating Game and kind of want to see how it's, uh, the story kind of gets started, um, all you have to do is go to YouTube and look up uh, In Living Color Dating Game and then watch the episode with Jamie Foxx's Ugly Wanda. Jim Carrey is the host. It's about nine minutes long and it is freaking hysterical. Now I'm going to have to go Google this. I love me, Ugly Wanda. Oh, my God. Ugly Wanda's the best. She Um, is. So 
if you want to know kind of the format and what they do. So basically the dating game is a, uh, a bachelor or a bachelorette comes on and they can't see three potential candidates to go on a date with. And they ask them questions and the people answer the questions. And then the bachelor or bachelorette makes a decision and then they go out on a date. Okay. Everybody follow? Picking up what you're laying down. Okay. So today's story is about Rodney James Alcala. So in 1978, a contestant on The Dating Game, a popular TV show, was introduced as a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at age of 13, fully developed. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. So... Between takes, you might find him skydiving or motorcycling. So that was Rodney's introduction. Okay. He was a contestant on the dating game. So Rodney was the winner in this episode, and the lucky bachelorette, her name was Cheryl Bradshaw. Cheryl ended up declining to go out with him as she found him, quote unquote, creepy. Another Bachelor contestant on the show later described him as strange with bizarre opinions. And the third contestant has never commented on Rodney or his experience on that episode of The Dating Game. Interesting. Well, Mm -hmm. I want to know what these weird opinions and comments were. (laughs) Yeah, I tried looking for it. I couldn't find anything. So Rodney was accepted as a contestant onto the show despite being a convicted rapist and sex offender at the time. Hold on a second. And they knew this? Yes. They knew this and they... What? Also, unbeknownst at this time, Rodney had already claimed the lives of two victims. He was an active killer at the time this episode was taped. Holy shit. I'm still stuck on the fact that they knew he had whatever against him already. And they're like, oh, you know what? Wholesome dude. Let's move forward with it. It was the 70s. You know, free love. (laughs) I guess. God dang. Yep. So Rodney was born on August 23rd, 1943 as Rodrigo Jacques Alcala Bucuar in San Antonio, Texas. Around the the name. Yes. Around the age of eight, his family moved to Mexico and his father subsequently abandoned the family. His mother and siblings, along with Rodney, relocated to Los Angeles. In 1961... Uh, he, uh, joined the army and was discharged in 1964 after he had a breakdown and was diagnosed with anti antisocial personality disorder. Mm-hmm. So he decided to go to college. He began his studies at Cal state and then moved on to UCLA graduating in 1968 with a degree in fine arts, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if fine arts is like actual like art, like film and things, because in 1968, he fled California and we'll find out why and went by his alias of John Berger. He landed in New York, enrolled in New York University, and he took a class with Roman Polanski. Do you know who Roman Polanski is? I do. Yes. And for those of you who don't know who Roman Polanski is. He is a film director that has won many awards and accolades. Uh, One of his movies was Rosemary's Baby. Um, He has several other films uh, that won awards as well. But Polanski is best known for being the spouse of Sharon Tate. 
Mm-hmm. And if nobody knows who Sharon Tate is, she was the very pregnant actress, um, along with four friends who were brutally murdered in her home in 1969. The murderers were members of the Manson family. <clears throat> and Polanski by no means was a great guy. In the 70s, he was arrested for drugging and raping a 13-year-old girl. And as part of a plea deal, Polanski pled to a lesser charge. When he learned the judge was going to reject this lesser charge, Polanski took off to Paris and still is currently a fugitive from the United States. Um, he has had some other legal issues resulting from being a fugitive and has been arrested a few times, but has never stood trial or been held accountable for his actions against that 13 year old. Dirt bag. Dirt bag. So back to Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> In September of 1969, eight-year-old Tally Shapiro was walking home from school along Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. A car pulled up next to her, and the man driving asked her if she wanted a ride. She said no and told him she doesn't talk to strangers. Well, he pulled the old, I know your parents line, and she then proceeded to get into the car, and the driver was Rodney. At the same time, a passerby sees this go down, and decided to follow Rodney and Tolly to Rodney's nearby apartment, and the passerby then called the police. Thank God for this passerby. Right? right? Rodney, of course, didn't answer the door uh, when police arrived. He appeared in the window and told them he was taking a shower, and the police were having none of his bullshit. They were like, mm, we don't care if you're taking a shower or not, motherfucker. And then they proceeded to bust open the door where they found Tolly severely injured laying on the floor, um, Rodney managed to escape out a back door. Uh, Rodney had hit Tally in the head, in the back of the head, and she was nude and she had a steel bar pressing on her neck. Oh. So she was actively being killed when the <clears throat> police showed up. An eight-year-old. Horrible. Eight-year-old. So she was in a coma for 32 days and spent months in the hospital recovering. Once she was well enough, her parents packed the family up and moved to Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. Um, little did anyone know at the time, Tally was the very first victim of what would become a notorious serial killer. Mm. In 1971, some girls at an arts camp in New Hampshire recognized their camp counselor, John Berger, from an FBI Most Wanted poster. The camp leader called police, and soon Rodney was arrested. See, back in the day, people really didn't fuck around. They were up in your business and believed what you said. These days, days. yeah, these days it's like, oh, well, I'm sure she knows that person. Right. Yeah. So he pled to a lesser charge of child molestation and served 34 months. The lesser charge was due to the fact that Tolly's parents refused to come back to the States for her to testify. He was also paroled um, early for showing evidence of being rehabilitated, a program that was popular at the time in California. Right. Mm -hmm. So two months later, Rodney was arrested for providing marijuana to a 13-year-old girl. She also claimed she was kidnapped. He once again was paroled after two years, this time under the same program. So we're going to rehab everybody and believe everyone's essentially good. And if you show good behavior, we're going to let you out. But nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. So in 1977, although a convicted sex offender, he was hired by the LA Times as a typesetter. In 1978, good old Richard Mer- Ramirez was on his rampage as the Hillside Strangler, 
And Rodney was actually interviewed as a potential suspect because of his conviction. Can you Interesting. And if you pull up pictures of Rodney and Richard Ramirez, they look so much alike. It is. Yes, what I'm doing right now. Creepy. So <laughs> he was cleared of any involvement as the Hillside Strangler. Got so, it. Okay. So during this time, he was also posing as a photographer and convinced dozens of women to let him photograph them. These photos were later found in his, in his portfolio, and many remain unidentified, and it is feared that they may be victims. Mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. So in 1979, 12-year-old Robin Samso turned up missing in Huntington Beach, California. In early July of 1979, her decomposing body was found in L.A.'s hills, uh, foothills. Um, later, earrings were found in a rental locker in Seattle, and the locker was rented by Rodney. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. So Rodney was convicted of Robin's murder in 1980 and sentenced to death. His conviction was overturned because a judge had allowed the jury to hear about Tally Shapiro and other kidnapping and rape charges. Um, he was convicted again in 1986, and once again, it was overturned by the Ninth Circuit Court. Why was it overturned? Because a witness was not allowed to support Rodney's claim that a park ranger that found Samso's body was hypnotized by the police. <laughs> and I tried to find more information on what exactly he meant, because, of course, he was defending himself. Right. Um, and... There was very little information. Basically, he claimed that there was a witness that could back his claims up that um, the park ranger that found the body was hypnotized. Okay. Mm -hmm. So his conviction was overturned in 2001. So let's talk about the other victims. Uh, Robin was Rodney's final victim and Tally was his first known victim. But there's more. In November of 1977, 18-year-old Jill Barkham was found in the Foothills area of L.A. She was sexually assaulted, bludgeoned, and strangled to death with a pair of pants. In December of 1977, a month later, Georgia Wickstead, age 27, was found beaten to death at her home in Malibu. She was also sexually assaulted and strangled. In June of 1978, Charlotte Lamb, 32, was found in the laundry room of an apartment complex, dead, sexually assaulted, and strangled with a shoelace. <clears throat> Man, we uh, are on a roll here. Yeah. Also in June of 1978, 21-year-old Jill Partineau was found strangled to death in her apartment in Burbank. In June of 1979 is when Robin Samso disappears. So now back in New York, he is suspected of killing. Um, there's a nightclub called Ciro's Nightclub. Mm -hmm. um, and the heiress to that nightclub, a name is Ellen Hover. And in 1977, they suspect that he killed her. And they also suspect he killed a flight attendant named Cornelia Crilly in 1971. Jeez. Yeah. So in late July of 1979, Rodney is arrested at his parents' home, 
And during interrogation and investigation, police fear he could be responsible for the deaths of 130 women. Oh, my goodness. And he admitted to killing 30 women in the 1970s. Yep. So remember the earrings the police found in the Seattle locker? Yeah. Well, that also linked him to the deaths of a 13-year-old and a 17-year-old in the Seattle area. A 19-year-old disappeared during the same time and has also been linked. uh, He's been linked to two women uh, that I described earlier in New York and several more in Los Angeles. Um, In that locker, they also found a thousand photos. um, And these women were naked, mostly naked in the photos. In two of the photos, it appears the women are already dead. Ew. Yep. Rodney is also known to be a tortuous killer. He would strangle the victims to the point of unconsciousness, revive them, and then do it again. (laughs) Yeah. So he strangles you. You think you're dying. You pass out. He revives you. You have a little ray of hope. And then he does it again. Awful. Like, it's awful to begin with, obviously. But... Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty torturous. Yeah. So Rodney went in for trial number three for Robin in 2003. And during trial prep, DNA from Rodney matched the semen found on two other victims. And also another pair of earrings that were in the storage locker matched one of those victims. They were believed to be Charlotte Lamb's earrings. The victims previously mentioned were all connected to Rodney by DNA And their names were added to Robin's trial uh, for the third trial in 2006. So they were prepping in 2003. um, And then they went for trial in 2006. In 2009, Rodney stood trial for the third and final time. So Rodney, who claims to have an IQ of 160, decided to defend himself. And again, guys, if you're going to go on a murderous rampage and you get caught... Please don't defend yourself. You're not that smart. No, I know you think you are, but you're not. But in this trial, the prosecution had a surprise witness. It was one Tally Shapiro, who was now an adult. Mm. So in 2010, Rodney was convicted and sentenced to death in California. So what is old Rodney up to now? Well, he's dead. Uh, (laughs) He died of natural causes in prison on July 24th, 2021. Okay, fairly recently. Yeah, while in prison, he wrote a book. In his book, he claims he is innocent in the Samso case. He was also busy filing lawsuits against the state of California, one because he slipped and fell, and the other was that the state did not provide him a low-fat diet. Can't listen. (laughs) I don't know. Okay, listen. (laughs) I get human rights, all right? I get it. But you people that are in prison because you are animals and you have killed and taken lives or done crimes against children or what have you, some of you are the lowest of the low. Why? What makes you think you're so entitled? Exactly. Why do you think you should get such special treatment, special diet, this, special that, special this? You lost your privileges when you wound up there for the shitty things that you did. Exactly. Exactly. 
So in 2010, authorities made public 120 photos that were part of the 1,000 photo cache that was found <clears throat> in the locker. 20 of those women have come forward to identify themselves. Well, how awkward and horrible that has to be. But then it's like, on the other hand, like, thank God you're alive and able to identify yourself. Right. Yep. So that is the short story. And I know I'm getting feedback from people. You guys love the short true crime. You don't have to listen for hours. Um, (laughs) (laughs) People are like, I love that you just get to the point and you tell us what happened. There are going to be longer ones. I am going to bless everybody with the Stephen Avery trial. Yes. And bullshit. But it is a lot. It is so much. And that's going to be probably a couple episodes. Um, Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and refresh my memory. But It's still going on. Kathleen uh, Zellner just actually filed um, something else. Again, it's, it's still going on. But she is now pointed to who she believes 100% the killer actually is. Ooh, who, 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 who does she undeniably think it is? Bobby Dassey. Oh, I believe that. Brendan's brother. Yeah, I b- could totally believe that. I'm 100% on board. I think he is 100% responsible. And his poor brother, yeah. who is mentally not all entirely there, mm-hmm. is sitting in prison for Easy it, scapegoat for along it. Along with his uncle. Yep. <sighs> naughty, naughty, Bobby. Naughty, naughty, Bobby. Um, so that is your story of the dating game serial killer. You know, which makes me think, you know, Mr. Avery, all the appeal work and everything that Miss Zellner's been working on and it's gone, you know, not his way. And then you have this dating game serial killer guy who has rape charges and keeps getting off Mm -hmm. and keeps getting set free. And the judges overturn this or overturn that because of whatever reason. Like it was so easy for him yet here. Mr. Avery is rotting away for something he did not do. Well, and you know, here's the thing with, so if none of you know who Stephen Avery is, go find making a murderer on Netflix. Um, but I do encourage you to get information from other sources too, right? I, d- I don't want you to lean a hundred percent one way just because making a murderer says, you know, certain things or some really just baffling things that happen in that, which is all true. Um, they have court documents to, to back all that up, but this poor guy who is not the smartest brightest bulb in the pack, (laughs) nor is his family, gets wrongfully convicted of a rape back in the 80s. He spends, what, 18 years in prison, Mm -hmm. is finally released. He brings a lawsuit against um, the state. And the night before deposition start, you mean to tell me they find a body on his property when he had a $36 million lawsuit against the state? Right. You're not going to convince me he did it. If you're sitting on the cusp of $36 million, you're not going to be that dumb. No. No matter how intelligent or bright you are or are not, you're not going to be that stupid. Well, and here's the other thing. When he was in prison for the rape, he kept telling everybody, I did not do it. 
I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I don't care how smart you think you are. You cannot maintain a lie for that long. Yeah, you're going to say something to somebody. You're going <clears> to <throat> stumble somewhere along the lines. You were going to fuck up. And he, to this day, is maintaining his um, innocence in the murder of Teresa Hallback. And I, you know, I'm not saying he's the best guy on the planet. He has done some shady shit, like running out in the street with his wiener hanging out when his cousin was driving by. Yeah, who, by the way, was married to a cop and did not like him. So if you already have hatred in the police force, you know. So mm-hmm. anyway, I just, I don't think Stephen and Brendan are guilty of Teresa's murder on any level. Yeah, same. We agree on this one for sure. For sure. For shizzle. So that is your True Crime Wednesday, guys. Short and sweet. All right. Remember, give us a like. Give us a follow. Give us a share. Just us, do it. It takes a something. whole second. Even if you don't like us, just do it. Pretend. Pretend. It'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be okay. And if people ask you, you can also lie and say you love us. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Okay. All right, guys, have a good one. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.